Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we are starting Matthew chapter 11, and if you're just joining us, we are working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. This is an introduction to the Gospel series, and what we're doing is giving some insight to the background, the history, the culture, some things that we may not know as modern readers. Now, if you're just joining us, I would encourage you to go back to the beginning of the series. It will help you have a better understanding of where we're at now, and we also have extra resources if you want to dive a little bit deeper. We have daily journaling prompts and family discussion guides available on our Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. And then I also offer some one-on-one spiritual direction and life coaching if there's a particular issue that you'd like to learn more about. You can find more about that at shehears.org. So today we're reading Matthew chapter 11, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, while in prison, John heard about the works of Christ, and he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or are we to look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. Those who are blind receive sight, and those who limp walk. Those with leprosy are cleansed, and those who are deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is any person who does not take offense at me. As these disciples of John were going away, Jesus began speaking to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and the one who is more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. The one who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace who call out to the other children and say, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a song of mourning, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he was a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man, and a heavy drinker, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And yet, wisdom is vindicated by her deed. Then he began to reprimand the cities in which most of his miracles were done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For the miracles that occurred in you had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, then they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? 
you will be brought down to Hades. For if the miracles that occurred in you had occurred in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to infants. And yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight, and all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son determines to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. But you know, some of my favorite verses in, in, the, in the entire book of Matthew is in Matthew chapter 11 here. And there's a couple things I want to point out that I think might be helpful for you as you're studying. And again, as we are going through these gospels, we are not doing this to replace your Bible reading. If anything, we're doing it to inspire you to go back and read the scripture for yourselves. But I think it's important to remember that while scripture was written for us, it was not originally written to us. It was written to an ancient people group that understood some of these things that we just don't understand because we live in a different time frame, a different kind of culture. So at the very beginning of Matthew 11, what we see is, of course, Jesus is sending out the twelve. And that, of course, becomes the model for Christian discipleship, where Jesus trains them and sends them out. But beyond that, what's happening here is they're almost being sent like emissaries. Now, emissaries would often be sent to prepare people for the coming of a king to their region or sometimes other important figures. They prepare for his arrival. So just like the emissaries would go out and prepare the town for the king to come through maybe that following week, the disciples are going out and they're spiritually preparing the people for the arrival of Jesus. And so as the disciples are being sent out, I think it's interesting because essentially the same thing is happening for us. As we go out and we share the gospel with those around us, we are preparing their hearts to hear from Jesus. Now, at this time, John has been imprisoned and he's imprisoned in a place called Machaerus. And that is actually the place where he was eventually put to death. And he was there for well, over a year, and he sends his disciples out to ask about Jesus about how this messianic program is going. And it's pretty interesting that the archaeological remains of that prison were actually found to the east of the Dead Sea. So if you head to our Patreon, I'll post some pictures of that if you want to kind of check it out. But it's one of those places in scripture that we have verified location of where John the Baptist was put to death. So When John is sending his disciples out, he's questioning Jesus, which I think, again, is interesting because John's attitude here is really in contrast to the attitude we saw from him back in Matthew chapter 3. And so the reason for that and the way that some scholars would explain that is that John is concerned about reports that Jesus has been touching people that are unclean. Because again, remember, there was a certain expectation of how the Messiah would act, how he would come. John is probably looking or thinking that the Messiah is going to come as a kingdom bringer, as a politician or as a king, rather than just this miracle worker. And so what Jesus does is he's basically vindicating this mission of healing with this understanding of all the things that he's been doing. And so when he sends back the message back to John, he talks about the people he's been healing, the people that have been hearing this gospel message, and he's explaining to John what that healing mission actually looks like. 
And then it goes on to talk about this stuff about Elijah. What does that mean? I had a lot of questions about that before I had studied the passage. But it's a reference back to the prophet Elijah, where Malachi prophesied that Elijah would prepare the way for the Messiah. And so what's interesting about that is when John the Baptist was conceived, he was designated as the one who would minister in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Now, we'll read that in Luke chapter one when we get to the book of Luke, but that would have happened at the time frame back when John was conceived, which Matthew doesn't tell us about. So it's part of this is putting all those pieces together. And so for those that are receiving the ministry of John, they're understanding that he is the fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy. Super interesting. And then jumping down to verse 20 and 21, Jesus gives the stern warning. He says, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. So Capernaum, Chorazin, and Bethsaida were cities where most of the miracles of Jesus had been performed. This is where he had been healing and preaching and teaching. And the people there, because of the proximity to what Jesus was actually doing, they had the greatest privilege and opportunity to meet Jesus and witness what he was doing. But with that proximity becomes this greater sense of accountability and responsibility. And what happened? They rejected him. Most of them rejected him. And what he says in verse 21, he says, if the miracles that were performed here had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, and then he goes on to talk about how that would have changed things for them. Well, what's the significance of that? Well, essentially, Tyre and Sidon were Gentile cities in the northwest region, and it bordered Galilee to the west coast. So these were two cities that were known throughout this ancient world as powerful maritime commercial centers. There was trade that would be going through there. And in Israel, they became kind of proverbial for these pagan cities because there was a lot of false god worship. They worshiped Baal there. There was a lot of arrogance, a lot of pride because there was power and wealth. And a lot of times, I mean, it's the same thing here. When you have a lot of power and wealth, a lot of times the sin of pride and arrogance accompany that. And so in that ancient world, they were seen of cities that deserved judgment. But yet here, Jesus is saying, if they had seen the kind of miracles that you guys had the opportunity to see, they would have repented and they would have worn sackcloth and ashes. Well, sackcloth and ashes were familiar symbols to this culture as repentance garments. So it was a rough cloth that would have been woven from camel hair or goat hair, and it would have been worn close to the skin because it would have been a symbolic rejection of comfort. And that's done in cases of mourning, in grief. It would have been done during cases of national loss or even repentance, their own personal repentance. And so ashes symbolize loss and they would either sprinkle them over their head or they would lie down in them. So this idea of sackcloth and ashes is representative of the fact that if they had seen what these people had seen, they would have been repenting. And that's the words of Jesus. So he's basically saying, I've performed all these miracles and you guys don't even care. You're rejecting me. But yet there's other places if I had done this, they would have literally seen that the kingdom of God was here. And then he even goes on to talk about Sodom. Well, we, you probably know the reference to this, to Sodom. Sodom was known as a place, a city that was known as a place of sin. And it kind of became this proverbial city of sin that they would refer to. 
And then he goes on to some of my favorite verses in this passage. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy. What's a yoke? Maybe you know, maybe you don't. If you do, I'm going to remind you. A yoke would have been a basically a piece of wood that would have been a frame that would have joined two animals together, usually oxen, and they would have been used kind of both physically and metaphorically to describe basically obedience. So when they were talking about it in terms of the actual animal, and sometimes even people would wear yokes, it would tie those two together so they would have to work at the same pace. Now, when it was used metaphorically to talk about people, it was used to talk about obedience. And so they would be talking about the obedience to one another. So if you'd like to see a photo of a yoke, I'll put that on the Patreon as well. So if you kind of see what I'm talking about, it can kind of give you this visual representation But what Jesus is saying is that if he hooks his yoke to you, meaning imagine it's humans and they're they're both in that wooden frame, the yoke of Jesus, that commitment to Jesus, the understanding of the truth of God is not going to be heavy like the burden of the law. So in that culture, remember the Pharisees were the leaders, the religious leaders at the time. And the way that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, interpreted the law, they were very, very strict. There were 613 commandments that they made people abide by. It was overwhelming. It was an overwhelming, complicated approach to life just to be able to be seen as right in God's eyes. It was exhausting to even memorize 613 commandments. I don't think I could do it. Yet this is how they expected people to live. And Jesus himself was saying, that is an exhausting way to live your life. And so what we are understanding from this relationship with Jesus is it, we overcomplicate it sometimes. I think sometimes we can look at the scriptures and just think, oh, it's overwhelming to me. I don't know everything it says. I don't understand everything it says. And what Jesus is saying is stop worrying about all of that and start having a relationship with me. He's saying, come to me, learn from me. As complicated as life may be, discipleship at its heart simply means walking with Jesus in the real world and having him teach us day by day, moment by moment, how to live our lives. That's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we can trust that if we're doing something that we're not supposed to do, if God has a different plan for us, we can trust that he will show us. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, while in prison, John heard about the works of Christ, and he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or are we to look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. Those who are blind receive sight, and those who limp walk. Those with leprosy are cleansed, and those who are deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is any person who does not take offense at me. As these disciples of John were going away, Jesus began speaking to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently and a violent men take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. The one who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to who shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to the other children and say, We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a song of mourning and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He's a demon. But the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a heavy drinker, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And yet, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Then he began to reprimand the cities in which most of his miracles were done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that occurred in you had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, then they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the miracles that occurred in you had occurred in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All the things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son determines to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. Let's pray. God, we thank you that sometimes the complication of trying to understand all the scriptures does not matter because it is your yoke that is easy and your burden that is light. When you say, come to me and learn from me, God, help us remember that, yes, we are trying to understand what your intentions and your words were in the scriptures, but help us not to overcomplicate it. Help us to recognize that the primary thing we need to do is just love you, God, to be around you, to be in relationship with you, and you will show us what it means. God, help us to take the pressure off of what it means to be a Christian and just remember that at its core, at its crux, it means to be in a relationship with you. God, we thank you for the freedom of the gospel, that we don't have to be burdened by 613 commandments, but instead we can look to you because not only are you our father, but you are a good father that longs to teach us how to live this life. God, I thank you and I pray a special blessing over my friends today as I continue to lean in and learn from you. We thank you and praise you in all things. Amen. Okay, friends, we'll talk tomorrow. Hey friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things, we hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt 
worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.